0: What's up, guys? Welcome into the DNVR Rams podcast, presented as always by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top rated sportsbook app. Download it today, use the promo code DNVR when you sign up. I am thrilled to be joined by head football coach of CSU football, Jay Norvell. Second time we've had him in studio. It was an absolute honor. Jay, thank you so much. How are
1: you doing? I'm doing great. You guys have upgraded since I've been here last. We're, we're getting going <laughs> a little bit. It's We're making moves, kind
0: of awesome. like you guys on the recruiting trail. Yes, you guys, sir. Really successful 2023 recruiting cycle. I know it's still technically National Signing Day, but... I mean, 34 signees in that early period yep. after a three and nine season, I think that speaks to the relationships yep. that you guys were able to establish. One of the things that really stood out to me about this class was a lot of these signees were long time verbal commits. You didn't yep. have a lot of guys drop out. Right. How much of that had to do with really just hitting the trail as soon as you guys got on? Because. The last cycle is kinda weird having it with those transfers right. and, and how that worked.
1: Well, this is really um, you know, from our experience at Nevada, your first full recruiting class is probably your most important class because these are the players you build your program on. They're the they're the foundation, the building blocks for what we're gonna do the next few years here at, at, at Colorado State. And, you know, after our first season, we really wanna address some areas that we needed major improvement in, you know, number one was our offensive line. and we actually signed ten players, uh, six of them transfer players, older players that were starters at other schools, to really pour into that room and give us some depth and maturity in our offensive line. You know, the other areas that we really focused on was uh, you know, we really felt like the offense was an area where we had the biggest turnover on the roster. Um, we signed five receivers. that are all six, one or taller. We signed a 6'4, 6'6, 6'7 tight end um, to really uh, affect that room. And then we, we 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 signed a couple of running backs that are home run hitters and really felt like we we fortified our offense. We've really added to what we have. You know, Clay had a great year in a lot of ways. It was a lot of learning experiences, but he still was, uh, you know, through for 72%. And we think that he's got the foundation to be an excellent player in our system. And so with Torrey Horton's success and and uh, some of the things that we did offensively, I think we got room to improve. And obviously, the players that we're adding is going to help us do that.
0: I'm glad you brought up Clay Millen because statistically what he did is, is very significant. Not very many quarterbacks are going to do that in year one, especially given the state of the offensive line. Yep. Did you guys consider bringing in another veteran quarterback this offseason just for the sake of, you know, competition?
1: And what did you learn about these young yeah, quarterbacks? Yeah, we c- we considered everything. I think, you know, the biggest thing when you go through a major recruiting cycle like this and, you know, we need help in every position, we want to create competition at every position. And um, I think we did look at it. We talked to some guys. We really felt like we wanted to bring an older quarterback in if we could. A guy that was a junior, or senior, uh, just didn't work out. Uh, the the kids that we were were available and the kids that we talked to, and so we'll just continue to always look to improve that. We wanted to improve our receiver position, our running back position, all of our skill positions on defense as well. So we'll just continue to to do that, and we think that those quarterbacks have the talent and the physical ability that we're looking for. We just need them to mature and really understand. Uh, their role in our offense and how they've got to help elevate us to a higher level. How
0: challenging was it from an evaluation standpoint? I mean, given just the the flux of the roster, I mean, the lack of receivers, the constant shuffling of the offensive line. Like, you know, yes, you want the raw stats from the quarterback to be better. You want to put up more points. But to me, the thing that kind of stood out was the the lack of turnovers. I like that about all those yeah. young quarterbacks that played. Yes, you want them to do more, but they weren't putting the team in harm's way. They were at least giving them a chance to be competitive.
1: Well, they they got to protect the ball. That's really important. And, you know, it was just kind of a, a perfect storm last year. You know, it seemed like every week we were fighting a battle with a new player on offense having to play for the first time. You know, all four quarterbacks played over the course of the year, Um you know and then the offensive line injuries you know week 2 we lost 3 tackles against Middle Tennessee before that game and 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 we just had young players playing in the offensive line we were trying to circle through the season you know Keegan Hamilton had to play center for us a true freshman for four games and so we just had to live with those growing pains uh, whether it was at offensive line at quarterback or our young receivers so you know We went through that this year. We had to bite the bullet with the kids that we've added. You know, I think the other thing was significant was playing with 59 scholarship players. Yeah, that's crazy. That that, that was just really – it didn't give us a competitive edge the second half of the season. It affected how we practiced. And, you know, as of today, we we signed 39 players, uh, which gets us up to 85. And so we're going into the 23 with a full roster, kids that want to be here, and that should make a big difference.
0: Do you feel confident in the state of the offensive line right now with the with the guys you were able to sign? Yeah,
1: I think I think what what our problem was, we had we had three seniors last year that were experienced players and then we really didn't have juniors or sophomores yeah. that we could play or depend on. And so when those kids had to play, you know, we it was it really hampered us and limited what we could do offensively. So um, we felt like we wanted to pour talent into there, uh, 10, 10 players four really good freshmen uh, and six transfer players that are all have size and strength and physicality. Uh, several of them have been two year starters in college, so they understand how to be dependable. And so I think that's really going to help us. And and uh, uh, and then also the tight ends. You know, one of the issues in our offense was we didn't really have a tight end to threaten the middle of the field. When when people played coverage on Torrey and on uh, Justice Ross Simmons, we didn't have anybody that could threaten the middle of the field. And Dallin Holker is a proven player from BYU, 6'4, 240, really is a accomplished receiver. And I think he'll give us some experience and a playmaker down the middle to really complement our wide receivers.
0: I'm glad you brought up the tight ends because that's actually one of the the positions I wanted to talk about, just you know, looking at Dallin and uh, Vincent Brown and some of these guys mm-hmm. um, that are coming into the program, it seems like you're better suited to have that Cole Turner yeah. type role, like you said, attacking the middle of the field. For those that don't, you know, maybe understand how big is it to be able to attack the middle, especially vertically, when you you want to be able to get these guys open on the outside, yeah. and not have them constantly being shadowed over the top.
1: You know, I think I think um, you know we have a philosophy of recruiting big, athletic receivers, and this crop we brought in. F- five in this recruiting class that really reflect all the things we're looking for um and so our kids kind of have a reputation of being able to run deep and be one-on-one matchups and the only way a defense can protect against that is to double cover you on the outside and cloud it but when you do that you leave the middle open and and uh that's where when we were at nevada we had so much success because we had romeo dubs outside and then we had cole turner inside and so a defense really couldn't double cover Romeo because it really exposed them with uh, with Cole uh, and so um, down the middle and we just didn't have that last year. Um, but we poured three big bodies into that position. Um, we really like Jordan Williams. We think he's going to be an excellent tight end. But Dallin Holker is a guy that's a proven college player at BYU. Excellent receiver. I think he's going to give us a shot in the arm there. Then we bring in Vince Brown, who's a 6'7", uh, tight end from, from College of DuPage. They won the national championship. He's played wide receiver. He's 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 uh, fitting in at tight end now. Very similar to Cole Turner. You know, when Cole Turner came in, he was a 6'7", wide out. We moved him to tight end. And then Mason Masao from from, uh, from uh, Hawaii is another guy that's 6'6", 210 pounds right now. Has that profile that we look for like a power forward at tight end
0: any awkwardness there, just given that he was technically committed to Timmy Chang at one <laughs> point
1: Yeah, not really. I mean it's uh you know uh, you know Timmy's awesome and uh, but Timmy also is looking for the same profile player we're looking for, so he is, his, him and his family came over and just loved it, and we're so excited to have him
0: what are your goals for this 2024 cycle because obviously I mean the focus today 2023 it's signing day but really with the early period you guys have been on to 2024 for quite yeah. some time now
1: no we're're we're're we're, we're, we're excited uh, you know we're we're we constantly are recruiting and so um obviously our, our guys were out in high schools this last few weeks um, we got a great jump on 24s um and and so we're, we'll just continue to recruit we've got an excellent staff uh and and we we feel like that we we've been able to bring kids to Fort Collins show them our great community our great facilities and it's been nothing but positive positive. and so we're going to continue to grow on that you know as for the season you know we won three games at Nevada our first year our second year we won eight and won our bowl game and uh, I, I expect us to make a big jump this year And understanding and expectations, um, and and that locker room. I think we have a group of guys that really are unselfish, and they want to sacrifice and be a part of something bigger than themselves. So, the news guys got to contribute, and uh, with that competition, we got to let you know raise everybody's performance.
0: I definitely want to talk to you about the staff. Um, Real quick, the stage is set. We're coming down to the battle in Arizona. There's no better way for the NFL action than with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 57. New customers bet $5, get $200 in free bets instantly. If you're an existing customer, take a shot with an even bigger payout with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlay. Boost your Super Bowl 57 winnings with each leg you add up to 100%. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use the code DNVR. New customers bet $5 on Super Bowl 57. Get 200 in free bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook with that code DNVR. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void in Ohio. See show notes for details. You were on the Ram Nation podcast recently, and those guys do a great job. So shout out to uh, Joel and Mike over there. One of the things that was really interesting to me, and I kind of figured it would be the case, was you brought up Power five schools and having to fend them off coming after uh, a Freddie Banks, which yep. after the defensive season you guys had, not right. surprising at all. What did you learn about this defensive staff last year that stood out to you?
1: No, I just, uh, you know, everybody on our staff was was hand-chosen for for reasons. And, you know, I just, I've spent a year around Freddie Banks. I just was so impressed with him. He's such a detailed guy and a great teacher and he's very demanding, and 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 all the qualities you want in a coordinator. Um, you know, we had to fight people off this year to keep Freddie and Buda Williams and and this uh, two really excellent young defensive coaches. Um, you know, power five schools from the Pac twelve and the Big Ten went after him, and really offered them to double their salary. And so, you know, they we were able to get him to stay. And because they love CSU, because they love our program, because you know, we give them an opportunity to coach the way they want to coach and continue to grow. And so I think we got great people in our staff and in our program, and, and I just am so excited to keep, keep us together because I know if we keep our staff together and these players together, we're going to get better. You know, we played Tulane two years ago uh, in, the, in the Idaho Potato Bowl when I was at Nevada, and we beat Tulane pretty good. And then the next year they went out and won two games, and then this past year, they won 12 and beat USC in the Cotton Bowl, and and that's a program I think is very comparable to ours. Um, the same team that won two games won 12 this year, and so those guys stayed together. They believed in the system. Uh, they added talent to that, and they just com- continue to get better and better. And and that's kind of our expe- expectations for this year. You know, we expect to win. We expect to to compete against everybody we play against, and we expect to show great improvement.
0: I'm sure getting to coach some of these defensive players, you know, helps with uh, wanting them to stick around as well. (laughs) No doubt. Kind of off of that, though, especially in 2023, where everybody wants the instant gratification and, you know, just sign 20 transfers and fix it immediately Mm -hmm. and, you know, how important is it to keep sight of the upward trajectory and understanding at a G five program, especially like it's not going to happen overnight because you no. don't just have bags of cash to throw no at every
1: issue you have. You know, I think that's a great question, and and our philosophy has always been to grow our own players. To you know, we have we have great insight and um, an eye for talent. Um, we have a profile that we stick with what we look for in wide receivers and O-linemen and quarterbacks and defensive linemen and DBs, and we stay true to that. I think we have excellent coaches that really understand how to identify talent and recruit. So that's that's where we want to build our program. And actually, that's where we can find the best talent, is in high school and in JCs. The transfer portal, um, because of the NIL money, um, it's just not – we're not going to be able to track the top players that have have offers from other power Five schools in that in that in that area. And so um, we're gonna stick where we really can make the biggest bang for our buck, and that's through the high school ranks and through JCs. We want to recruit every great high school player in the state of Colorado. We got three great players. Silas Evans had multiple Power Five offers, CU in Oregon State. I mean, we could go anywhere in the country, and that's the kind of receiver we're looking for. You know, Tanner Morley's a, a monster offensive lineman from Valor, you know, 6'5, 330. And then Javion Smith Combs is as good a three technique as you'll see in, anywhere in the country. You know, he's 6'6, 240 pounds, just an awesome looking kid. And uh, those are three in state kids that we think, uh, you know, we want to build our program on. So, um, the high school ranks, you know, if you look at the University of Georgia this year, they had one transfer player on their roster. And so they recruited great high school players. They developed those players and they 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 played at a high level the last couple of years with them.
0: As far as pursuing those FBS transfers, particularly, you know, ones with power five interest, like, do you even bother at that point if you know that they have NIL being thrown at them? Yeah, or do no- you try and convince them like, hey, yes, you might get a bag there early but you also might just be a guy in a room or a depth piece, where right. you could be you know, a starter here.
1: There's no doubt. And I think, I think you know, it, we have such a small sample size of just about a year of transfer, but I think that's going to show as we move on. Um, you know, A lot of these Power Fives are signing these guys, and they're going to be depth guys. Um, you know, The reality is a lot of these Power Five schools that have NIO money, they don't even have to have a scholarship. They're just paying the kids. And so, so it really puts the competitive balance a little bit out of whack, and a lot of the players that we used to be able to get, we can't get now because of NIL. So we have to just understand that and uh, adjust. You know, adjust our recruiting to the high school ranks, adjust our recruiting to the JC ranks, and uh, and there are more players in that pool now because a lot of the power five guys are going after. Um, kids in the transfer portal. So we'll adjust to where we can really make the biggest bang for our buck and try to get the the, the cream of the crop of the high school ranks. And so that's really important, you know, and and and, and there's a great saying, you know, and, and, and I think this fits us, you know, we're not going to get any players because of NIL money, but we don't want to lose players. And, and I think that's for us moving forward as we – identify and develop these talented players that are all conference and all American at the group of five level, we don't want, you know, the power five schools to come, poach to come and poach those kids. How
0: much tampering is going on in modern college football
1: where, cause like, you know, they, no, we're not DMing these players. It yeah. has to be happening. Yeah. You know, I just don't think there's any reason for a kid that's in a good situation to jump in the portal unless somebody's contacted him and told him that he's going to get a scholarship at their school. And I think, you know, what what you're seeing is you're seeing people that work in these collectives, they don't fall under the NCA guidelines as far as calling and talking to kids. And so I do think there's, there's some of that going on, where somebody from a collective will call a player and, and reach his people and say, if he gets in the portal, you know, school X will... We'll we'll offer them, and they'll have an opportunity to get this kind of nil money, and and so the system wasn't developed for that. Uh, it's not legal, but but it is going on.
0: This is, I mean, I don't want to go too far into the weeds here, but do you wish the NCAA was more involved in this? Yeah. I mean, it's it seems like they kind of just were like, all right, fine, you guys yeah. want to pay players, go ahead, and right now it's just chaos.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's you know it's just kind of. It is what it is. It's a little bit of the wild west right now, uh, but I do think—I don't think it's sustainable. I think in the next couple of years, it'll it'll kind of settle down, and uh, and and I think, you know, they 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 have to put some reins on on the NIL space, and and so I think I think we'll see uh, see some of that in the future. But right now, it is it is a little bit of the wild west. Do you like
0: the way that the current structure is set up with the early period and you like that more?
1: I do. I I just, uh, for for many years as an assistant coach, we did not have this early signing period. And I think majority of the kids have their mind made up already and they're ready to decide. And so I just think it 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 ends the period, it gets kids signed up where they're going to go. Because there is about a two-month span there where you are just babysitting kids. You're going to see kids, and there's a lot of financial uh, uh, money that you spent just to just keep going to see kids that already made their decision. And so, like like you mentioned, most of our kids decided in the summer. They knew where they wanted to go, so they were ready to sign in December. Um, you know, there's issues with bowl games and and now that they decided to put this, uh, the uh, transfer uh, window mm-hmm. right in the middle of December, that changes things a little bit. But I still think it's the best system that we've had so far. And, uh, you know, there, there are people that are in bowl games and championship games that don't really like it. But I would hate to see us go back to, to February. I think that would be going backwards at this point.
0: You, you got into it a little bit, but the state of Colorado and recruiting it is always going to be a hot topic for CU and CSU. Um, it gets somewhat complicated because clearly this it, it's not Texas, it's not California, it's not Florida. There are a lot of talented players that can come out of here. But how do you feel like you and your staff have done just as far as establishing those relationships and kind of you know trying to create those local pipelines?
1: No, I mean, we've spent a lot of time. Uh, I've spent a lot of time personally out in the schools in the Colorado Our staff has, Um, you know, this last weekend, we had a a weekend for all the preferred walk-ons, which were players that didn't receive scholarship offers from us, but we still like them in our program. Um, You know, we had a junior day, a huge junior junior day this weekend. So we're just going to constantly be in the schools in Colorado. We want the best talent in Colorado to come to CSU, you know, uh, we put three kids on scholarship, uh, Drew Kulick, um, Keegan Hollis, and Keegan Hamilton, really good uh, players from the state that came to us as walk-ons, and then we signed the three kids in the class uh, this year. Uh, so, so those are really important players for us. There are some other kids that maybe have Division II offers that um, we've talked to about coming to, to CSU, and a lot of times those guys end up being your best players. They earn scholarships. Um, You know, when I was at Nevada, I was there five years. We gave 16 player scholarships that were walk-ons. This past year in our first year at CSU, we gave six player scholarships that were walk-ons. And so we love doing that. Um, But if a player comes in and does the things we ask them to do, uh, really contributes to the program, uh, they have an opportunity to earn a scholarship at CSU.
0: You've already talked a lot about this class. Uh, you did a full forty-minute press conference, so I want to <laughs> go too in the in the weeds here. Um I've written a lot about it, but one of the things that's really stood out to me about the approach, and you guys were very honest about this when you came in, is you don't necessarily care about positional experience. You want those plus traits, guys that are no doubt above average athletes. And a lot of the time, you know, if you're the best athlete on your team, you're probably playing receiver, or running yes. back, they're getting the ball in your hands are you guys finding success with the early development and has that something you've always believed in is this freddie banks's uh, kind of impact where where does that come from no
1: i i i think that's a great question and i just think in 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 the sport of football you have to have a philosophy in recruiting and acquiring talent i mean it's the most important thing we have to do as coaches is acquire talent and then develop that talent and um you know i coached college ball for about eight years, and then I went to the NFL for six years. I was with the Colts for four, and then the uh, Oakland Raiders for two, and I really learned a lot being around, you know, Bill Polian with the Colts. You know, we drafted Peyton Manning. I went through that whole Ryan Leaf-Peyton Manning uh, draft, um, but also identifying what traits it takes to be successful. We are recruiting NFL players. I mean, there's no bones about it. We want guys that can go to the NFL, and so the traits that we look for: size, length, arm length, hand size, agility. You know, there's 35 two-sport athletes in this class. So we have guys that are excelling. Uh, we got a wide receiver that's a 6'10 high jumper. Um, we've got a, a, a defensive end from Austin that's that ran 10.9 at at 6'5, 230 pounds. I mean. Um, you know, we've got an offensive lineman from Cheney that's part of the Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, 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 strongman competition. You know, he pulls U-hauls, he <laughs> throws 350-pound stones. I mean, these are all physical traits that are unique that bring that we're bringing to CSU, and so um, the two-sport athlete is is huge. You know, uh, versatility. You know, and I and I I really got to hand it to our defensive staff. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of coaches want ready-made players, and but we like guys with high ceilings. So mm-hmm. we'll recruit. You know, you know most high schools put their best athlete at quarterback or running back or receiver. We'll take one of those kids, and 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 he played might have been a high school quarterback, but we'll put him at linebacker. We'll move a wide receiver to safety or or linebacker, um, and where those ball skills, those athletic skills, can really shine and And we can we can get a, a, an NFL type player. Um, and so that comes from experience and doing it. Um, and our guys have done a great job. Our defensive coaches are open minded that way. And, uh, you know, I, I just think we have tremendous talent, especially in our defensive line. I mean, some of our young players coming up the pike are are just really super dynamic pass rushers. Uh, we never had kids like that when we were at Nevada, and um, I just I think the future is so bright with our with our personnel.
0: I know you got uh, a lot to do, so I'm, I'm going to let you get out of here momentarily. I've Got just a couple more for you, uh, real quick, guys. When you get hurt, Backus and Shanker is here to help. Backus and Shanker wins for Colorado families. They are helping those who are seriously injured in Colorado for more than 25 years. No, they are free until they win money in your case. No upfront fee. No fee while they work on your case. No fee until they win your case and win money for you. They've won over a billion dollars for their clients. Now with more locations serving all of Colorado, including offices in Denver, Aurora, Englewood, and Fort Collins. They have the power and will to win your case with more than 30 lawyers and 100 staff. Backus and Shanker helps with all kinds of injury cases when you weren't at fault, car accidents, motorcycle, rideshare, pedestrian, trucks, you name it. They can even help if you're injured at work. Call them at 222 222 to find out if you have a case for free. That's 7-2's and Shanker wins this is going to be kind of a a perfect segue i think because you mentioned how you have going for nfl players you've coached in the nfl you've coached at the collegiate level right now there's a big focus on nfl coaches here because of sean payton and the denver broncos As, as a guy who spent time at both levels what's the biggest difference between coaching at the collegiate level and coaching at the pro level and what draws you towards the college game over the pro game
1: I I think number one the biggest difference at the professional level, you know, people say, "Gosh, these guys make so much money; they don't really need coaching." It's really just the opposite. Um, these these athletes are are get paid very well, and they need quality coaching. and 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 the really good players respect that. Um, you you have to be a leader of men uh, when you coach professional athletes, and I think. There's a lot of bright people, uh, but there are some people that have special qualities that that can gain the respect of grown men. And and you know I, I've known Sean for a long time. We were we were players, free agents when when I was with the Bears, and then I knew him when he was with the Eagles, and then the Saints. And we used to go visit them. But you know Sean's got amazing. Uh, Uh, history and experiences you know and and I just think his time with Bill Parcells really gave him a different perspective of which most NFL coaches don't get Uh, um, and I just think he he has real insight on personnel and dealing with a team uh, and 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 gaining that respect from from these professionals and so you know he's just got an amazing background I think it's a really great hire for the Broncos
0: at the very least, he's a brilliant uh, play designer. So, you know, maybe they don't win more games this year, but they won't be so boring. Which will be <laughs> as a Broncos guy. You know, I wore the Broncos jacket even when they lose. But it's like You're a loyal fan. Man, yeah. all right, we're doing this again. Another <laughs> another week of this. Um, you know, you've been honest about how you have a lot of respect for Craig Bowl. You guys have a relationship that goes back. You've coached against Troy Calhoun a long time. Mm-hmm. Do you have any type of relationship with Deion Sanders? And you
1: know, I really don't. Um, you know, I when I was with the Colts, we played against him with the Broncos. Uh, um, you know, really the interaction I've had with him is he, he hi- a year ago he hired one of my assistants uh, to uh, coach his offense at Jackson State, and uh, he wanted to run the air raid, and and, um, and so Bart Brett Barlone went up there, and and uh, now he's coaching their their receivers. Great, great guy. Um, but I really don't have any. I, we've never met, and uh, but I do think this. I, I think he did a really good job at Jackson State, and he's earned this opportunity, and I'm happy for him. Um, you know, and and obviously I'm at Colorado State, and they're Colorado. I am really excited that that the CU game is back on our schedule. You know, yeah. that was one of the things when I. Became the head coach at Colorado State. I, I looked at that and and uh, was really anxious to have that game on the schedule. Um, you know, that's the, one of the great things about our school is we have great rivalry against CU, great rivalry against uh, Wyoming, and a great rivalry uh, with with Air Force. And those are the big games you get to play at Colorado State. And we're, I mean, we're excited. It's great for our fans, and we're looking forward to playing them this year.
0: Speaking of rivalries, that's, I mean. Clearly, one of the big things you're tasked with is kind of turning around CSU's performance in these big games. It's been a struggle now for about six years. At some point, is it just random, or is that like systemic when you are continually coming up short in these big
1: moments? No, it's you know I think it's a process. I really do, and I've been a part of a lot of great uh, programs. And I shared a story with our team. You know, when I when I was uh, I was my first coaching job when I left Iowa was at Notre Dame, and uh, Barry Alvarez was an assistant there, and, and Lou Holtz talked about a process, and, and he believed that every program had to go through this to get to championships, and there was four things, you know, the first thing, the players got to love and care for each other, the second, there's got to be a level of trust within the team and the coaching staff, um, the third step is commitment, To where everybody's putting forth a great effort um and and it's really sacrificing for the team and then the fourth thing fourth thing is belief and once you've invested and you really care about each other you trust one another you've committed to the process you believe you should win and uh i think we're i think we're in the middle of that right now Uh, i think uh you know we're getting to that point where guys are starting to trust and believe in each other the commitment level has been risen, and uh, the last point, the last part of that is when you walk into somebody's stadium, you believe you're supposed to win, and you start to do it consistently. And so I'm I'm anxious. I believe we got a team that can get there, um, and this is a big step for us. You know, your second year, everybody understands the expectations. You don't, they don't have to wonder what workouts are like or practices like. Um, it's really just all the focus is on the work, and I think. There's no question that our football team has that personality right now. And I'm excited to see how that will correlate into this season.
0: Just the last thing I want to ask you here with spring ball coming up, how important is the spring ball really? Like from somebody who's doing it on the day to grade grind, obviously there's still months and months before the season, but just as far as, like you said, establishing those habits. And then how big of a loss was it last year losing so many of these guys in season that no you wrapped up with in spring ball. Like no doubt. we got our system down, now they're gone.
1: Yeah, that, that was really disappointing because it's an investment. You know, Our season starts in January. We have eight weeks of winter training. We have five weeks of spring practice. Then we come back in the summer, we have eight weeks of summer training and five weeks of, of uh, or a month of, of training camp, and then we play. And, and so really the bulk of your team has gone through that winter training, through spring practice, and you've invested a lot of repetitions in those guys. You know, a lot of those guys, especially on offense, that we invested in that—the wide receivers, the tight ends, uh, the running backs. Um, a lot of those kids uh, checked out on us, and in in in, uh, in the first part of the season, and so it left us shorthanded and. And, you know, I just had I had Justice Ross Simmons and Lewis Brown in my office yesterday. You know, they were basically learning on the fly. Yeah. And 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 uh, they didn't get those repetitions. And, you know, Jordan Williams was learning on the fly. Justice Ross Simmons, Lewis Brown, Makai Fox, all those young skill players weren't here in, in the spring. So this is the time where they really get to understand and detail their craft. Um, and we should have a group that has that experience going into this fall and so that that's what gives me so much excitement about the, the progress we we can make this year
0: what are those conversations like i guess with the guys I, the thing that was really surprising to me is it wasn't just people leaving that weren't seeing the field like some of those guys were starters <laughs> and playing you know
1: 60 plus snaps a game yeah it was disappointing uh i think as a coach Uh, The thing that you hate to see is somebody that doesn't take advantage of an opportunity. Because you know how small these opportunities are and how limited they are. You can't go back when you're 35 years old and play college football. And so um, that was the most disappointing thing to me. Uh, Usually when players aren't playing, they they get disgruntled and want to move on. We had players that were starting that decided not to play anymore. Um, which is almost unheard of. I mean, we had a scholarship player not want to travel to a game because he scheduled a wedding during, our, and he gave up a scholarship in season. In season, yeah. And so it just—I mean, when when I talk about the commitment level, you know, and this was a this was a group that played for two different head coaches. I was their third head coach, and so you know, I, I understand it's it's you know not being committed to start over again. There's parts to that. I just wish they would have done that before the season, before uh, they made that commitment to their teammates. Totally.
0: Well, Jay, it's been an absolute honor to have you in studio. Thank you so much for coming down. It means the world to me. You've been a man of the people since you've taken the job, (laughs) but genuinely and it it's not lost on me the, oh. the effort and commitment that you're willing to make for the CSU community it means a lot so thank you thank
1: you you do a great job and anytime you want us to come down just let us know awesome
0: <laughs> guys stay warm out there shout out to the presenting presenting sponsors DraftKings Sportsbook he's that code DNVR when you sign up much love peace go Rams